Hey, this is Pastor Devin. Thanks so much for joining us. I pray that this message is an encouragement to your life today. Let's greet all the guys that are on the side of that camera and the ladies, Riverbend, Deberry. Come on, church family. Let's welcome them. Tennessee Prison for Women. We love you guys. And Happy New Year to everybody there. And excited that you're along for the ride. I, I think prayer is, is, is mysterious to a lot of us. And so we need to be pressing into this what does prayer even look like? Which is why uh, the other resource that we have available, and these are these are all free. And just we want everyone, uh, every home to take one of these. These are available to you also at the Connection Center. These are our Pray First prayer guides. And, and really, what you need to understand about prayer is there isn't just one way that you have to pray. There's lots of different ways that you can be praying. There's lots of different ways that you can approach this whole process. And so there's lots of different types uh, of models and systematically kind of taking you through this journey of praying. There's scripture prayers in here. And a lot of times when I'm in my time of prayer, I just read scripture aloud and just pray scripture over my situation and over my life. And I love this verse in Ephesians six, it says this verse 18 says, never stop praying. (laughs) How do we do that? Well, part of, part of doing that is it's not all about you. Never stop praying, especially for others. And he says, Paul goes on to say, always pray. I love this. How? By the power of the spirit. Stay alert. So you're going you're gonna to awaken some things in you and it, you're going to have to stay alert because you're in spiritual warfare now. And keep praying, not just for you, but for us as a whole as we do this as a church body. Look at the different translation. It says this in the voice. Pray always. Pray in the spirit and watch this. Pray about everything in every way you know how. What's that mean? That means there's different ways that you can be praying, which is why we're offering this resource to you. So take it. There's a letter from me in the front of that and just kind of framing for you how you can use it as a resource in your life. This this is what we need to know about prayer. Our prayers need to be based on the character of God, not ours. Okay? Okay. Our prayers need to be, need to be saying, oh, oh God, you are not, oh God, I am. So my prayer is now based upon his character and his nature. And it's not because he doesn't know or because he needs to be reminded. It's really to do something in us. It has to remind me that when I start to see my, my challenges and my life through his character and his nature, all of a sudden I see my life differently. I, my prayers need to be framed around God's nature, not mine. Which is why the names of God, the attributes of God, the character of God are very important when it comes to prayer. That's why why the the commandment of not taking the Lord's name in vain. See, here, we think that's just about cussing. Okay, for you northerners, about swearing. Uh, Okay, (laughs) so that that commandment is actually, don't take it in vain, is, is actually, hey, be reverent about the power that's on your tongue when you're talking about the name of God. So it's so much more fuller than that, which is why Jesus, when he was teaching his disciples to pray, they come to him and say, hey, we, because the disciples knew how to pray, but they watched Jesus pray and they were like, we don't know how to pray like that. So they go to Jesus and they go, hey, teach us to pray like that. And so Jesus goes, well, first of all, you need to approach God and here's what you need to say. Our father who art in heaven, hallowed be your, your name. He just, all of a sudden it's framed around the name, the attributes, the character of God. 
So in other words, we don't start off with our requests. <laughs> we start off by connecting with him relationally, Father. And then we immediately frame our, our prayer around the power and the nature and the character of God in his name. Don't start off with what you need. Start off by saying, oh God, you are, not God, I am. Paul, speaking of Jesus, said that, that God lifted him to the highest place, and not just him, but his name is above every other name, and at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow on heaven and on earth and under the earth, which means every demon in hell has to bow at the name of Jesus. Well, we need to frame our prayers under the auspice of the nature, character, power of God by the attributes that are in his name. Proverbs 18 tells us that the name of the Lord is a strong, it is a fortified tower and those that are seeking him, the righteous people run to what? His name. There's power in the name of God, which means that our prayer is now based upon the authority that only comes through and by the name of God. So let me, let me try to explain it this way. Maybe some of you parents will understand this, uh, I say to sis, hey sis, go tell the boys uh, that dinner's ready. Come on down. Hey boys, dinner's ready. They ain't coming, dad. Tell them daddy said it's time to come down for dinner. <laughs> hey, dad said he's coming. Here, here we come. <laughs> Why? Because there's an authority that comes when you use the father as the base of your request, not just yourself. So when I pray, I just begin talking about how awesome my God is. You're amazing, God. You're wonderful. You are my counselor. Oh, my goodness. So you just start framing your whole world around the nature and character that comes through the names of God. And in Scripture, there are eight covenant names of God mentioned in Scripture and then there's a really cool thing. In one psalm, David actually covers all eight of the covenant names of God that we can begin to frame our prayer. I'm trying to help you learn how to pray. I'm trying to give some fresh life to your prayer life. And so, so I want to frame how we pray by approaching him with his nature, with his authority. And I'm going to read through. It's a very familiar psalm. It'd be a psalm that all of us would know it's Psalm 23. And David actually covers all eight of the covenant names of God that's covered in, in, in Jewish history. So let's go, let's go to Psalm 23 and I'll just read through it. You guys want, in fact, let's do something different. Let's read it aloud, everybody. Psalm 23, you, you'll be familiar. I, I didn't say a soft, I said aloud. We're gonna lead, read it aloud. Here we go, Psalm 23, come on. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. 
Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And everybody said, amen, amen. We, we soaked through that earlier this week. Six short verses that David covers the eight covenant names of God. Now, you may not have seen them, but I, I want us to run to the name of God and find safety and security, and we can start framing our prayers in what only comes in the power and the authority of the name. So let's, let's go back to the beginning of it, Psalm 23 now. The Lord is my shepherd. I love, I love that he's not just a shepherd. <laughs> I love that he's my shepherd. Look, look. Over these next 21 days, I don't just want him to be an icon or someone you talk about or read about or sing about. I want him to become my God, my savior, my king, my shepherd, my friend. By the way, that's the best gift I could give you, that you could have a relation, that God wants a personal relationship with you. Which is why all, all these names are presented in such a personal way. Here's the, here's the first one. You are my shepherd. You're my shepherd. Now, some of you like it a little deeper. And some of you are fine with just, just keeping it here. You guys know a little, I like a little bit of the original language on things. So I'm, I'm going to also give you the, the Old Testament Jewish covenant name of each of these qualities of God. And, and this one here, you are my shepherd, is Jehovah Reah. Jehovah Reah. And for those of you that like a little deeper, you can just put that in, in your notes. And that word, this word, let's watch this. This word literally means, if you just look at the literal translation of this word, it literally means pastor. <laughs> Which is encouraging for all of us pastors because now we know we have a, a pastor. To realize that Jesus... God is our ultimate pastor. Which, by, by the way, side note, I also have pastors uh, that pastor me, that I submit to, and that I glean from, and listen to. And I, I, I think every pastor needs a pastor. I don't think it should ever end with me. And so I, I need people speaking into my life. Every soul needs to be fed and cared for. By the way, you need it too. So... Which is why I believe every believer needs to, needs to find a body of believers and call it a home. <laughs> now, it doesn't have to be here. And maybe you're here this morning because you wanted to start the new year off right. Or maybe you're, uh, you're on the rounds and you're visiting some churches and you're kicking the tires. And you're trying to figure out whether or not this is supposed to be your home church. Or you're just trying to find a place. Um, I will say this, if you're trying to, if you're trying to decide if not, whether or not this is your church home, today is the first weekend of the month, with me, which means it's step one in what we call our next steps process, and step one always happens on the first Sunday of the month, and in that meeting, we go through our governance, and how we got started, and the vision of the church, and our accountability structure, and you will, you will get from step one the the information you need to continue to go on the process on whether or not you think this is supposed to be your home church. Every believer needs, needs a local body of believers. And if you're interested in doing that, it's immediately following the service. And again, it doesn't have to be here. Um, I, could, I could easily give you 10 other great churches that I know the pastors of 
that I would, I would go, that's an amazing church. So it doesn't have to be here. It's just to say, there are, there are over 30 promises in the New Testament that you can't do if you're not connected to a local body. So you need to be connected to a local body of believers. I believe every Christian should have that moment where they say, this is, this is my church and I'm going to have a pastor that feeds me and that leads the body that I've chosen to become part of where I'm cared for, where I'm not looking to just hide, but I'm integrally involved. And I, I see that place as my church. So, so my job is to lead and feed. So I'm, you guys know I'm, always, I'm, I'm more of a spiritual tour guide than anything else. I'm leading us on this journey, these 21 days. I'm leading us on a, a journey as we connect to God and disconnect from some of the things of the world. I'm leading us on this journey of building a new facility. They should be moving dirt any day out there, everybody. So I, yeah, there'll be trucks out there and it's, that's awesome. And someone's like, are we doing a groundbreak? I was like, you can freeze by yourself. Um, but uh, no. <laughs> try to get a shovel in the ground. Um, I'm leading us through this, this journey and there'll be seasons and series that I, I'm leading the body through in, in 2019. So I, I not only want to lead you, but I'm responsible for, for feeding you a balanced diet from God's word every Sunday and feed you in such a way that it actually starts to make sense. Where, where transformation can actually take place in your life, where you don't go away confused and not understanding and not being able to apply. So what's the point if you leave here and can't apply anything that you've just heard? So we're, it's called a Monday morning message. You need to be able to implement this thing. So I'm responsible for leading and feeding. It doesn't have to be here, but it needs to be somewhere. Because the reality is, if you're looking for all of your growth all of your relational connection, all of your fulfillment to happen here on Sunday, at some point, you will find yourself very disappointed. Which is why you need to get in a group. You need to do it. If you don't, you will find yourself disappointed. Because you'll keep looking for Sunday to fulfill all of it, and Sunday was never meant to fulfill all of it. And Sunday, I promise you, the Sunday dynamic changes when you're meeting with a small group of people during the week and all of a sudden you're connected in a way that you otherwise wouldn't go online and register. So I have some people like, well, I'll get to it. They will fill up because they're called small groups. So we tell our team internally, the goal is not to have the largest small group. no. We intentionally keep them small because it's hard to care for and pastor people when it gets beyond 12, 14 people. It just is. So you need to go on. You can find what kind of group you want and what, what night you want to be meeting on, what part of town you want to be meeting on. You can do all that searching on the website. You need to do it today. My job is to lead and feed you though. Here's the, here's, here's the good news. God wants to have the same relationship with you as your pastor, as your shepherd, where you allow his Holy Spirit to lead you and his word to speak to you and you're feeding on it in such a way that it's encouraging you and challenging you and growing you. Everybody needs a shepherd and they know that God is the chief shepherd. That's such great news. You can have God as your chief shepherd. That's good news. The Lord, you are my shepherd. That's why why Jesus, when he was here on this earth, said, I am the good shepherd. 
and my sheep hear my voice. They know my voice and I know them. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, for being my shepherd, for being my pastor. Guide me, lead me, speak to me. That's why Isaiah said, we're like sheep and we go astray, which means we need a shepherd. (laughs) We have the chief shepherd leading us, speaking to us. And and, and that's what he, the, the first quality that when you start to go to God and pray, you go, oh, thank you, God, for being my shepherd, for leading me, for guiding me, for, for pastoring me. Then Psalm 23 goes on to say, the Lord is my shepherd. I love this phrase. I lack nothing. I lack nothing. In other words, because you are my shepherd, I have everything I need. You are my, here's the second quality. You're my provider. You're my shepherd. You're my provider in the Jewish covenant name. Some of you know this one is Jehovah Jireh. You're my provider. He supplies everything I need. Now the tendency in all of us is to want to be our own pastor. (laughs) Can I give you some advice today? Don't do that. Don't do that. Because we want to trust in riches and we want to we trust in, in accomplishment. And we want to trust in being busy. Can I tell you, don't, don't trust in your riches. Trust in the one who richly provides. Trust in him. Otherwise, you'll just start grabbing for things and looking for more stuff. If you don't look to him as your provider. Uh, don't put your trust in things. Because what happens is when you, when you start to put your trust in that stuff, you won't just have money, but money will have you. And you'll be slave to it. And statistically, we know. What's, what's crazy is the people that make the most money are the most stingy. Statistically. People that make less money give more proportionally and, and percentage-wise than people that make more money. Why? Because they've found this principle that there's, their hope and their security is not in their money. Can I just, let me just demystify a myth. Financial security is a myth. Prove it, Devin. Well, how much money would you have to have to secure your life against anything possible? And are you controlling everything, by the way? Well, there is no money. There is no amount. You you don't have that amount of money and you never will. Financial security is a myth, friend, and people that understand their hope and their trust cannot be put in it. That's why Philippians 4.19 says, and my God, he, he will meet all of my needs according to the... Now, how we determine needs is, is kind of interesting too. That's a whole other deal. According to the riches not found in something we can do, but that's only found in Christ Jesus. And when you grab a hold of that truth, all of a sudden, the third quality becomes a reality and you can say that you are not only my shepherd and my provider, but now you are my peace. Because now I have peace, a peace that only comes from you. Now, verse two, it says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. Now, for some of you, that's exactly what he has to do. He has to make you lie down. (laughs) And because he's the good shepherd of your soul, if you will listen to him, this is what you'll hear. Hey, stop. Hey, slow down. You need to go buy some green pastures and, and get some, buy some still water. He is my P. 
peace. And I'm telling you, if you worship who he is when you pray, you'll find this peace. When you start to frame your prayers around the attributes and qualities of God through his name, not through a bottle, not through a pill, not even through another person. My peace does not come from another person. My, my peace only comes through you, God. You are my peace. And here's the good news. He doesn't just have peace for you. He is peace. Which is why you need to spend time with him. Because you can't help but get some peace when you're spending time with the person who literally is peace. Peace can't help but just jump on you when you're hanging out with peace. <laughs> and the covenant name is Jehovah Shalom. My peace. Shalom. Which is exactly what so many of us need as we embark on another year. and We're stressed about, we're already stressed about what this year holds. We haven't even done it yet and we're stressed about it. Uh, we, usually four areas where we find stress. It's, it's work related. It's money related. It's family related or health related. Four major buckets of where major stress and, and someone just looked at their friend and they said, I have all four. <laughs> I, got all, I got all those. And then there are some of us who have self-imposed stress. Yeah, we, we put it on ourselves. How? Because we keep adding things without offloading anything. Yeah. Hey, um, can I just, let me just pastor you here for just a second. Some of y'all are doing way too much. So We just got quiet, didn't it? Because you're looking at 2019 and you're looking at maintaining what you did in 2018 and it was too much for you then and you're going to say yes to more in 2019 without saying no to anything you stopped doing in 2018. And some of y'all are doing way too much and you need to stop. You need to slow down. Some of you are trying to be heroes. Yeah, but I can do it. Just because it's doable doesn't mean it's sustainable. And you think you're a hero. And you're not. That's why Ecclesiastes chapter 4 says, it is better to have a little with peace of mind than be busy all the time with both hands striving for the wind. So some of us, some of us have grabbed two fistfuls of life and you can't do anything because you're stressed out and maxed out. Why? Because you've got your hands full. And the Bible says it's better to do less and have peace of mind than try to keep saying yes to everything. Some of us start running before we even hear God give us a direction. In fact, we, some of us haven't even asked God if we should do it before we start running. We just start going. And then we find ourselves frustrated and mad. And he was like, you didn't even ask me about that. You just said yes and start running. Psalm 139, I think we need to pray this. You chart the path ahead of me and tell me where to stop and rest. <laughs> How about, that needs to be some of our prayer in the next 21 days. The problem is, the mantra of the world is, one is good, two is better. And, and we've bought into it. Well, if one dollar is good, two is... And some people are like, can I say better? <laughs> you, what you know? If if one activity is good, two is. <laughs> if one child is good, two <laughs> two's better? Question mark. If one wife is good, no, 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 no. Just ask Solomon on that. He'll tell you. 
That's why Jesus, in his very last message, one of the very last messages that he left, John 14, he says, peace I leave with you. How? Through the Holy Spirit, my peace I give you. I, I don't give you as this world does, one's good, two is better. No, no, no. I give to you as, as only I can give to you because I am peace. I'm your shepherd. I'm your provider. I am your peace. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't get so stressed out and do not be afraid. I am your peace. And as you begin to frame your prayers around the attributes of God, the names of God, you're my shepherd. You're my provider. There are times I just spend about 15, 20 minutes. I just go through these eight names of God. And can I just tell you, the rest of my list looks very different after I get through going through the names of God. Because there's a power, there's an authority in it that only comes. All right, here's here's the rest. Uh, Verse three now. And he restores my soul. Now that word restores, this word here, literally means healed. But here's here's the deeper meaning of it though. The deeper meaning is he causes it to come back to the point from where it left. Say it a different way. He returns it to its origin. <laughs> he, he brings back to the point of origin where my soul was healthy. <laughs> so, so my health was good and it started getting bad. But because he's my shepherd, my provider, my peace, he actually can bring it back to the place, to the origin of where it was right and good, everybody. He restores something. He heals it. He, my marriage was good. And it started to get bad. But we serve a shepherd, a provider, a peace that can only restore. He can get it back to where the origin was, where it started. Only he can do that. He is our healer. You are my healer. And again, I'm not just talking about physical healing. But let me just say this. The great physician has not closed up shop, everybody. He's still healing people. He's still delivering people. And some of us need to pray in 2019 with a faith that actually believes that again. But I would also submit to you that he submits, he he heals way more than just bodies. (laughs) In fact, I would go as far as to say these bodies are wasting away. Anybody say, amen, my body is wasting away. You know what's not wasting away? The spirit part of you and your spirit man being sick is way more life-threatening than a physical disease. Why? Because I'm talking about your eternal life, not your mortal life. And if your spirit man is sick, listen to me, he can restore your soul and he can get you back to the origin. Now, only he can do that because he was the one who created you. So only the one that created you can get you back to the point of origin, which is encouraging to me. He is my healer. And can I just say, one of God's system of bringing healing into our lives is through relational community and connection, which is why groups are so important. Let me, let me say it this way. Groups are where you will find healing. The Bible says, James, that when we confess our sin... And when we pray for one another, that we experience healing. So not, not confess our sins to God, but confess our sins to one another and pray for one another. Healing happens in our life. You need to get in a, let me say it this way. The best way for you to be healed is for, to let somebody else know where you're sick. Yes. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> so part of the reason you're sick is because you're not letting anyone know you're sick. And you keep trying to be a hero and carry it on yourself. Can I just tell you? You'll continue to carry it when you try to carry it by yourself. And until you're willing to let somebody else know that you're sick, you can't get healed from it. (laughs) 
free? <laughs> I, in fact, I have people ask me all the time, what group should I get in? The only group I recommend people go, in fact, I ask every connector. I'm, look at me right here. I'm asking every connector, if you haven't gone through a freedom group, to go through a freedom group. I want every one of us to experience a healing and a freedom that will only happen. It's a more systematic way. It's, a, it's a three weeks longer than our other groups that are meeting. But I'm telling you, you need, you need to embrace doing something that you haven't been doing because you've not been living in freedom. And what you've been doing hasn't gotten you to the place where you need to be. You need to be free. And so I'm just, you, if there's any group I would recommend you do, it's a freedom group. Yeah, we had a, a video that we were going to watch, but I don't, we don't have time to watch the video today. I'm sorry. What, what's, the, what's the covenant name? It's Jehovah Rapha, my healer. We, we all have scrapes, bruises, wounds, past issues. But there's healing waiting for you if you get to the place where someone else knows what you're going through. You need to get in a freedom group. God, God wants to restore you to get you back to that original place. Look at First Peter chapter 2. He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we could be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds, we are healed. That's not just physical wounds. Yes, it is physical wounds, but it's not just, he wants to restore your soul. He restores my soul, he goes on to say, and leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. I love that phrase, the, the paths of righteousness, which means that righteousness has a path. So the only way we can live in right standing with God is because of his son, Jesus. So he gives us right living and because of his blood, we now are standing righteously before him, but we also have a path of righteousness that he wants to take us on. He wants to shepherd us through the path of righteousness. Which is why this one is so important. You are my righteousness. In other words, you make me right. <laughs> Through the blood of Jesus, it's the only way that I'm made right. He, he helps me to go on the path, the pursuance of, the growth in. Uh, the covenant name is Jehovah Sidkenu. The T is silent. Jehovah Sidkenu. Because here... Some of you have a wrong understanding of what righteousness is. When you hear righteousness, you hear boring and sterile. Can I tell you, if you lived the right way that God wanted you to live, your life would be better. <laughs> but you gotta go on the path of righteousness. You gotta let him lead you. First Peter chapter one, as obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. So you just didn't know. But just as he who called you is holy, now you be holy. How? Because you now have his spirit living in you and he's empowering you to do something that you wouldn't otherwise be able to do by yourself. And you're going on the path of righteousness. Let him lead you down the path. You are my righteousness. You're my shepherd. You're my provider. You're my peace. You're my healer. You're my righteousness. Now he goes on to say, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Watch this. Because you are with me. You're with me. And, and actually, what this means is uh, you are there. Now, not just present there, but you are there. It's his name. He's there. I am. I'm there. I, I am. I'm all there. And the, <laughs> the best way I can say it is this way. You are my constant companion. 
You're my constant companion. If I go to the funeral home, you're there. If I go to the office, you are there. If I go to the hospital, you are there. The covenant name is Jehovah Shammah. My constant companion, you're there. Always by our side. Here's the cool thing about God. He's not just with you, but he's within you. That's why it says in Hebrews, Paul writes, never, never, God says, never will I leave you. Never. That, that word never is so emphatic in the original language, it's actually said five times. Never, 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 never. Was that five? Will I leave you? So with confidence, we can say the Lord is my helper and I will not be afraid. Every day. Every day is a part of my prayer life. I just start to frame my, my prayer around who he is. Shepherd, provider, peace, healer, righteousness, my constant companion. Psalm 139, every moment you know where I am. Now, some of us don't like that. <laughs> but you both precede me and follow me and place your hand of blessing on my head. This is too glorious, too wonderful to believe. Then it goes on to say this. I can never be lost to your spirit. Watch this. I can never get away from my God. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the place of the dead, you are there. Verse. If I ride on the morning winds to the farthest oceans, even there. He is there. Jehovah Shema, my constant companion. Verse five, he says, now you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. This is, this is so beautiful because while my enemies are there trying to pick a fight, he allows me to just go sit down and enjoy a meal. Now, sometimes we don't want to sit down and enjoy the meal. We want to help him out in defending us. And he's saying, actually, I'm prepared a table for you. You go sit down and enjoy the meal. I'm going to do it in the presence of your enemies. You are my defender. Which literally means you're you're my banner of victory is Jehovah Nisi. Our defender. He basically says, I'm going to go ahead of you. And I'm fighting the battle, even when you don't realize I'm fighting the battle, if you'll just sit down and enjoy the meal that I prepared for you and let me be your defense. Second Thessalonians says this, but the Lord is faithful and he will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. Shepherd, provider, peace, healer, righteousness, companion, defender. Finally, verse five, you anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. You know what uh, anointed means? Anointed means he gives me a supernatural ability to do something. The hand of God is upon me. I'm anointed. I'm not only anointed, but now my cup overflows. It runs over. In other words, I have more than I need. In fact, it's actually what's happening right now. God made sure that I had more than what I needed so that I could come stand before you today and pour my heart out to you. I have more than I need. My cup overflows and not in an arrogant way, but I declare that I'm anointed by God to be doing what I'm doing right now and my cup overflows and I have more than I need for you. But guess what? The verse isn't just for pastors. You are anointed You have the anointing of God on your life. 
Your cup is overflowing in some area and there's something that when you do it, it makes a difference because you have more than you need because you are my eighth quality, my sanctifier. You're my sanctifier, God. Jehovah Mekadesh, my sanctifier. And it literally means that God has set me apart for something special. Look at me right here. Look, look, look. God has called you to do something specific and he's the only one that can restore you to get you back to the origin of what he had in mind when he created you. He's the only one that can do that. It makes a difference when you do it. First Peter chapter two, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. It's not just for you. It's for you to be able to declare something because your cup now overflows. You're anointed. You have the hand of God on you. You have more than you need. Now I can declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. And the next verse goes on to say this, watch. And now, Hebrews chapter 13, may the God of peace, this is my prayer for you. This, This is my prayer for you. May the God of peace, he is peace. You can't help but get peace when you're with peace. Shepherd, provider, peace, healer, defender, sanctifier, constant companion righteousness he is that's who he is and when you start to frame your prayer that way may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus may he it's not just he wants to give you peace now he wants to equip you with all you need so that your cup is over you have all you need and now your cup is overflowing for doing something that he wants you to do watch this now it goes on to say and may he who became one look the great shepherd of the sheep by an everlasting agreement between God and you signed with it. Why would he do that? Because it goes on to say he wants to produce something in you. By the way, it will only be produced in you through the power of Christ. But when you allow that power in you to start producing something in you and equipping you, look at it. It's pleasing to him and to him be glory forever and ever. And everybody said, amen. Come on, let's bow our heads and Let's just take all that in. That's a lot. (laughs) The eight qualities, characteristics of God. Well, let's bow our heads real fast and we'll close. We're getting ready to sing that beautiful song again. Calvary's shadow. Darkness trembles and We need to start framing our prayers around the the attributes, the nature, the qualities of, of God. Shepherd, provider, peace, defender, constant companion, righteousness, healer. Lord, it's when we declare who you are that all of a sudden our, our lives look different, our world looks different, our challenges look different because now we're praying about who you are, not about what I need and what, what, what's going on with me. I'm, now I'm framing all of it around who you are, God, not who I am. So God, we start this, this season of 21 days of prayer and fasting with that kind of attitude. We, we start this season recognizing it's about who you are. It's not about who I am or what I'm going through. It's about us 
listening, not listing. It's about me having a broken and contrite heart and recognizing that humility is attractive to you and me, me not coming to tell you some things, but waiting for you to tell me some things and me not coming with my agenda, but me listening to what you want to do in me. And I just pray that you would prepare our hearts for what you're going to do in us over these next 21 days, God. How many of you are just sitting there and you just go, I want to I wanna make sure that I'm prepared. My heart is prepared for what he wants to do in me and through me this year all across this place. Come on, I want, God, prepare my heart. Help me to hear. Help me to listen. Help me to see things in a way in these next three weeks that I look back to as, a, as something that it was the trajectory of my entire year. It launched me into a way that I could see and hear otherwise that I wouldn't be able to, to do. And God, we welcome that in our lives. I welcome that in my life across this place. Come on, let's stand this morning and let's lift our hands. Come on, let's thank God for the price that he made. Come on, let's sing it. Come on. Thanks again for listening. If you want to join us on Sunday, we meet at Wilson Central High School at either 9 or 11 o'clock a.m. I'll look forward to seeing you there.